Benifer is back. Brad and Jen are friends again. And Paris Hilton is somehow still making headlines. 20 years later, we're living in the world that the 2000s tabloids created. On this series, I'm going to tell you the story of a decade of American life through the trash we love to consume. From Spotify and the Ringer Podcast Network, I'm Claire Malone, and this is Just Like Us, the tabloids that changed America. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Oh, my culinary comrades, my taste buds, my hungry homies, we continue to do it here on House of Cars, a food podcast on the Ringer Food Channel. Munch Madness continues. We are so fortunate to have two Dannys today. This episode of Munch Madness, Danny Heifetz celebrating the University of Richmond up against our beloved buddy, Danny Chow, we pulled him back onto the airwaves to talk about his experience at the University of California, Cal State Fullerton in Fullerton, California. Let's get in that belly. We have two Dannys that are hungry and ready to talk to us. Let's go, hungry homies. Oh, my taste buds. We are so happy to be continuing the Munch Madness with you. Traveling across America's great college towns looking for a succulent Cinderella story. We're headed to California today, but not any of the big cities or the big schools <laughs> you might expect. That's not what we do here at House of Carbs. We're digging deep for you, my hungry homies. We are headed to Fullerton, California, in Southern California, and we have an amazing treat for you and for us, our stomach shepherd, from Fullerton is none other than our beloved belly buddy, Danny Chow. You know Danny Chow, famous for his NBA and food writing for Grantland and The Ringer. He's been on this podcast many, many times. He's been on many, many Ringer and Grantland podcasts as well. Danny, welcome back to House of Cards. Hello. Hello. It's been almost three years. My hair is much longer than it was the last time. Uh, we did this podcast together, but uh, it's it's always it's always nice to chat with a friend. Your hair is luxurious. Did you ever think that? Did you ever think you'd be on a pod to talk about Fullerton? No, absolutely not. Well, absolutely then we're not. here for you, homie. We're here for you. Now, look, you are always and forever on our redolent radar, uh, and we had a couple of occasions to sing your praises. Very recently, we did a mini series on uh, the NFL playoff teams and, you know, the representative food dishes. And for the Tennessee Titans, the Nashville area, we chose Nashville hot chicken. We talked about your story. David Jacoby came on and we we all ate hot chicken. Craig Craig and myself and, and Jacoby, we ate Hattie B's, didn't we? Yes, Mr. we Craig. did. Yes, we yeah. did. And we all survived. 
We did yeah, not. Nice. We didn't get it the way that that Danny Chow would have got it. We did I'll our best. It, it traveled pretty well, but we had to make it in the oven. We had to make the make the hot uh, sauce that you pour over it. It still worked. It was very good, but yeah, probably not as authentic as it could have been. That's right. But Danny, look, you just showed up uh, very recently in the New Yorker uh, with yep. a story about a, a Sunday meal where you had to commit the f word. The f word. <laughs> Tell the belly buddies about about your story. Uh, yeah, so I I wrote a uh, a New Yorker piece about the joys of cooking what I'd called blasphemous fusion food in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it just kind of came about because one day I found some beef short ribs in the in the freezer, and I was like, "Oh, damn." Mm damn, we don't have beef a lot in this house. Like, what should I be doing with this? Um, my first thought was, you know, like Godfather, Sopranos, like Sunday gravy, let's go. It was a Sunday. It made sense. But then I was also like, Ooh, this would be really good for like a Taiwanese beef noodle soup. And so I text my wife like, Hey, I'm caught between these two ideas. What do you think that you would like? And she was like, yeah, I think I, I think I would like the Sunday gravy. Um, but I wasn't really willing to kind of let go of my other dream. And so I was just like, I'm just going to try something. And I made the soup and I reduced the stock in like, uh, with a can of tomatoes, just Mm. crushed tomatoes. Mm. And it actually was delicious. Yes. So that was kind of the, the, foundation of the piece. I love it. I loved it so much. I loved uh, uh, getting into it and reading the writing. Um, at the end of this, we'll ask you about what you're up to and where we can find more of your stuff and all that kind of stuff. But we have to get to Fullerton, California, because, um, you know, we as we sort of were, were canvassing our beloved friends and family across this great nation of ours and looking what schools they went to in our network and whatever. You know, we, we, we honed in on you because again, uh, Did you, you find are... my LinkedIn? Because <laughs> <Is that> a... <laughs> I don't advertise that I went to Fullerton at all. <laughs> uh, we, we have our ways. We have yeah. our ways. I mean, you know, C- Craig, the producer on the one to two, the producer with the perfect palette, he, he's pretty uh, ingenious at these things. But look, let's talk about Fullerton. When is the last time that you had the pleasure of being in that town? So... I think my mom has a few properties in Fullerton, but the last time I've gone there to actually like eat was probably back when I was still in college. I don't think that, I've been back since. That's fine. That's fine. And what, so that what was, was around that? Uh, 2012. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're still within a decade here. Um, <laughs> and help us sort of understand your approach to eating during your college days, like what was the dorm scene life? Were you committed to the dorm food? Were you able to get out? Just sort of set the table for us. No. Yeah. So actually like when I was there for my freshman year, they were still building out a few of the dorm complexes. So the dorm scene was very much underdeveloped. I think it technically existed, but um, yeah, I wouldn't be able to tell you what, what the dorm food was like. I'm, I'm assuming, you know, it was meal cards, meal, you know, with the swipes and all that, but yeah, it's it's very much a commuter school. And if you did live, um, you know, in the area, you definitely lived off campus. So that that was that was where I was. And so there were times when you were at school and you got hungry. Yeah. What did you eat? Ooh, okay. Um, so definitely not proud of, of saying this, but like <laughs> for the most part, we ate a lot of Chick-fil-A. Nice. <laughs> um, so there was a Chick-fil-A about a mile away from our condo and it had actually recently just opened. So I don't know if you know the Chick-fil-A process, but every time they open a franchise, uh, they do something called the first 100. And the first 100 is they basically create this raffle system. And if you get called as one of the first 100 customers, you get a year supply of Chick-fil-A, uh, which comes in the form of a 52 uh, meal vouchers. And so I think there were like five of us at the condo, two of us actually won. We had to sleep over in the parking lot. We were all freezing. (laughs) I actually had like really bad, like stomach flu as a result of it. Um, but it was worth it because we had like 152 (laughs) vouchers for like free Chick-fil-A meals. That, yeah. That's in- incredible. You know, some students at Duke, they camp out for UNC Duke tickets, but 
Not you guys. You guys are camping out for those Chick-fil-A year-long vouchers. I love it. <laughs> well, and the payoff is so much more enriching with the Chick-fil-A versus, Absolutely. you know, the, the Coach K thing. Um, so uh, one of the things we've been doing, Danny, Craig, um, the, the producer with the Perfect Palette, has been doing a little bit of research, and we, we've developed a scouting report. Now, the scouting report is kind of the current climate of the food scene in Fullerton. So it may not match up perfectly with your experience from a decade ago, but you know, we try and identify those places that have been around that have survived. Um, and that may be sort of the, the, the Fullerton classics, Mr. Craig, let, let's run to the list with, with Danny. So I got to say, before we get into this, this was my toughest challenge yet. There, there are a lot of places, but I, I really had trouble trying to hone in on what were the places that kids went to. Um, in school. So Danny, you'll really have to correct me if I'm wrong here. I'm going to run through like 10 restaurants. And then at the end, you tell me what you recognize, what you don't, where I, where I hit, where I missed. Okay. What's right. up men? Ramen spot. Taqueria de Anda, Mr. Katsu, Thailandia, Pho Olivia, El Fortin, Doghouse, Summit House, Rutabagers, Zombie Donuts, Mulberry Street Restaurante, True Oldie Ship, Matador Cantina, Brian's Beer and Billiards. And lastly, I have to throw it in because you went to school in California. I went to school in California. in and out was a big part of my college experience. Yeah. Um, How'd I do? If I were to say of those, I would say Taqueria de Anda is the spot. Hmm. It is absolutely the spot. Um, It's this family chain of restaurants that started off as a really popular taco truck in the 80s. Um, And I think now they're like, you know, an empire of like eight different franchises across uh, Orange County. Um, the Fullerton location, and I think actually most of them are open 24-7. And so nice. you're getting like an incredible taco experience 24-7. There, there is nothing better for a college student. So we would go there, you know, to cram for midterms, to celebrate midterms, to, you know, basically any possible occasion there was to get like, you know, 10 tacos for like 10 bucks. We were there. Yeah, that sounds perfect. What kind of tacos are we talking yeah, about? Exactly. I was going to, we, we're on the same wavelength, Craig. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they would have like most of the meats that you would associate. So they would have the classic asada and carnitas. But I think for me, being the adventurous one, always having like this, you know, Borganian fantasy that I, I was living, trying to live out, uh, they had buche, which is the um, pork stomach, oh. uh, fried pork stomach. So, like, having that, I was like, okay, yeah, like they're legit. And, you know, I've, I've heard that, you know, from the OG, uh, orange County people that, you know, Oh, it's kind of gone downhill ever since they've started like branching out. Um, but the fact that they still, you know, serve, you know, the buche that they would have served, you know, on their, on their taco truck all those years ago to like, you know, a small clientele in, you know, Santa Ana or whatever. Um, that means a lot. And, it, that was always like my kind of personal favorite, you know, all, all my roommates were getting burritos and stuff, but you know, I, I would get the buche taco just for me. Um, Craig went through, you know, quickly ab- about, you know, 10 different restaurants and just hearing the names, it sounded like there was a, pr- a pretty, um, wide, uh, variation, a lot of different kind of, of foods and food cultures and food pathways, represented in in that list and you know what sort of um resonated in my ear listening to him run through it is that's my own identification for sort of all of southern california is just the enormous diversity the the diversity of offerings the different styles and techniques um was what what was fullerton like was it was it um did it sort of have that microcosm of of um diversity that i I'm thinking of or, or something different? Oh, for sure. And I think Fullerton was kind of uniquely situated in the northern part of Orange County that kind of bumped up against the very edge of LA. And it was very close to, you know, Anaheim, Santa Ana, um, you know, the, the huge Vietnamese and Korean communities in uh, Westminster and, you know, you know, all of these places in, in Orange County that are just bastions of really good food. Um, and it, it's funny, actually, yeah, I was, I was thinking about that list and I was like, man, the, the, the thing that I remember being like the best thing I've eaten in Fullerton wasn't on that list. It was, it was this Korean restaurant, um, called Mirak 
And yeah, Fullerton is one of the uh, cities in Orange County that has a really big uh, Korean population. And this this place, I, I'm kicking myself because I wish I could go back in time and tell my college self about this place because I found out about it right at the tail end of my time at Fullerton. Um, so it's this place called Mirak. And, you know, every Korean restaurant you go to typically has a specialty. This place specializes in a black goat stew called uh, Yum Sotang. And it comes out just blazing in this hot pot placed over this butane burner. So, you know, it's bubbling while you're eating it. And there's this huge pile of perilla leaves, which is kind of like a um, basil mint sort of um, herb that's very popular in Korean, Japanese and, and Vietnamese cuisine. And it slowly wilts and it just kind of imparts its flavor in this stew. And it just continues to intensify because the thing's constantly bubbling. And by the end of it, you're, you're left with like these little nubs of, of goat meat that are just completely coated in this like beautiful, like gochujang um, stew. And then they add rice and they mix it all up. And you're getting like this fried rice paella sort of thing. And, you know, for the past five years, the, the big kind of food craze in the States has been birria. So uh, this is essentially like you're getting a Korean birria that turns into a Korean birria paella. Um, you just blew my <laughs> socks off. I, yeah, I'm, I am speechless and I have like kind of 10,000 questions, but I'll try and, and keep it brief. Why did it? Why was it called black goat stew? That's the first question I have. So I think the it's supposed to reference the specific type of goat that they use. It's I think it might oh. be indigenous to uh, to Korea. So okay. you know they obviously take pride in in the kind of meat that they're able to source. So yeah, I, I think it, it's it's in reference to the kind of goat that they use. I'm going to ask Craig while we continue to talk about this dish to check and see is is this restaurant still alive how Somebody? do you how do you spell it danny m-i-r-a-k we're gonna we're, we're rooting hard for it one of the things that we've encountered as we've sort of gone across america and talked to different um friends and and, and family about their college experiences you know various places are still sort of on the recovery trail or temporarily right. closed or, or this place or whatever. seems to be open yes yes that that's great news i'm psyched to hear it um what was the overall sort of like flavor profile of, of this stew? I mean, was it like your your traditional, I'm going to, I don't want to try and pronounce the traditional Korean stews because I'll embarrass myself, but I know that you can pronounce, enunciate them. Yeah, I think the, the flavors are uh, pretty similar. Um, you're still dealing with, um, you know, the the essence of, of gochujang. So that's, you know, you get the chili, you get that kind of fermented soybean flavor. Um, but I mean, the big difference is obviously goat can be very gamey. And so you're, you're also imparting that, but it almost gets tamed by the perilla leaf and all of that fresh, um, herbaceousness that kind of infuses itself into that broth. Um, so it becomes this very balanced dish that, you know, by the end of it, you're like, wow, this is, this is getting really rich. And then you get the rice. Does the rice, um, I mean, does the um, herb take the heat out of it? Like, how does the heat work? How how hot is it? You are a man, world-renowned, your tolerance for spicy <laughs> food. Uh, and we talked about the Nashville hot chicken. How, what's the heat level of this thing? I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say it's it's extremely spicy. I think the, the heat element is actually, like, temperature-wise. You're getting this thing boiling in, you know, a, a metal kind of container underneath a butane burner. So it's going to be very hot temperature wise, but I think for the most part, the gochujang uh, flavor in the broth is mostly there for the flavor. It's not, it's not searing um, your, you know, taste buds off. And and you said you only discovered this place just as you were graduating Fullerton, right? Yeah. How did, did a friend tell you about it? How did you learn about it? Yeah. I, I, I don't remember, but I, 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 and I, I forget who I went with, but like, there was someone who told me about it. We went there and I was just like, what? We were going to eat Korean food down in Westminster, which is like, you know, 10, 15 miles away. Um, not knowing that, you know, yeah, Fullerton itself has this vibrant 
Korean community. And um, honestly, the former producer, Isaac Lee, was one of the first to tell me like, you know, oh, Korean food is way better in Orange County than it is in L.A.'s Koreatown. Wow. Whoa. But also, uh, if you are interested, there are uh, locations of Mirak in L.A.'s Koreatown. So oh, there's that. that. that that's I a game changer. Locations. That is a game changer, House. We are definitely going to have to factor that in. To yeah, and that, that's going to help um, quite a bit because one of the things that we're trying to do best we can here on Munch Madness is actually sample some of the flavors from some mm-hmm. of these towns. And so having one of these in the backyard. Now, as we kind of explore the contours of these various college towns, we've been asking our, our belly buddies, um, our stomach shepherds, about kind of the the normal-ish experience of like parents come visit and and how do you sort of go about you know tackling that that food conundrum um it, it was that something i know that fullerton is a commuter school is that something that you got to experience um during your time um you know i i bet this question produced some great answers with a lot of people <laughs> unfortunately i do not have one for you sure um the, you know the list of things that my parents would rather do than go to a restaurant is very very long <laughs> sure that makes they that are, makes perfect like, sense every time i've gone to a restaurant with them their first instinct isn't oh this is delicious it's oh i can do this better at home <laughs> just give me the time and a few youtube videos and this is this is you know unnecessary. Yeah, for for the benefit of our taste buds, share with everybody your parents' background so that they understand where you're coming from. <laughs> um, yeah, my my parents are are two very uh, very determined and very can do uh, people who who immigrated from uh, Vietnam, and yeah, they. I I honestly, the last time I took them to a Vietnamese restaurant in Toronto, um, they enjoyed the food, but. It took them literally 10 <laughs> seconds before they were like, I can make this at home. <laughs> I can't wait to make this at home and share it with other people. You know, it, it actually, it's even with like food that our family creates, you know, at home too. Like my brother had made a, uh, a Thai green papaya salad the other day for, for dinner. And my mom was like, oh, this is very good. She was like, I can't wait to, I can't wait to make this and share it with my friends. It's, it's always the next, the next meal. They're always thinking about the next meal. I love it. So um, we want to make sure we give Fullerton sort of full, the depth and breadth of its food scene, full treatment. Um, Craigslist included what sounded to me like a couple places where there might be baked goods or some things on the sweet side right. of the, the, the palate. Um, were there any standout uh, sweet spots for you? I do remember the pies at Rutabagers being very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of in the downtown area, affectionately known as DTF. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think the, the pies there are really good. Um, but if, if, there is, if there is any time, I would like to give a, a shout out to a, a restaurant that technically doesn't fall within city limits but it's maybe like half a mile from campus that counts for sure 100 percent. that's totally fine yeah so this is a little unexpected but there was a place not far from our condo called tony's little italy and i swear it makes the best chicago deep dish wow. at least in southern california i don't want to you know make too bold uh, proclamation. Well, you you are qualified. You did go and eat Chicago and there, right. the internet has the proof. I mean, we have the receipts, Danny. I so didn't if- I didn't eat deep dish there uh, oh. on that on that trip. But okay, I have okay. in the past. Yes. Yeah. I know you've had deep dish in your life for sure. <laughs> so go ahead. You can make the bold proclamation. We're this is it this is just the 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 House of Carbs podcast. Did little Tony's Deep dish, the version you enjoyed there, stand up at least to the Chicago iterations? 100%. Like, I, I think it, it's right up. 100%. And it's it's a classic, like, it's been there for more than 40 years. You know, a, Italian from Chicago through and through, multi-generational. Um, yeah, there's like a bunch of Chicago memorabilia inside. Like, I would not be surprised if there's like a statue of Ditka in there. Um, <laughs> like... Is deep dish for everyone? No, but like it was such a statement food. And every time we got it, it was like 
you know, a big deal. And it is still open. Magnificent. Yeah. That's that's magnificent news. Um, it's it's so satisfying. It's so fulfilling. It's like a a perfect college food in so many respects. Um, was it popular amongst the Fullerton community while you were there? That's a good question. I've I've never really seen other college students necessarily. It it, it was kind of hard to gauge because um the I mean the pies took so long to bake. So it would be like 40 minutes yeah. in the oven. And normally we just like called ahead of time and, and picked up and drove it back home. So I don't really remember seeing too many college students, but I would not be surprised. I mean, it, it has great Google reviews, um, Yelp reviews. So I'm sure people found found their way there. All right. Well, well, Craig, we have to put Danny on the spot um, mm -hmm. because we're, we're asking everybody to kind of identify for us the the signature dish from that that college community, um, and it sounds like that we have two legit contenders for this. Um, and, and obviously, there there are always more, but we've gone deep into the black goat stew, and we've also now visited deep dish uh, a version right there in Fullerton, California, that stands up to the very best in Chicago. Which of the the two would you say is is sort of the emblematic of 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 Fullerton from your own experience? I mean, from my own experience as a college student or just as a wizened, you know, food writer we'll, person. We'll give you the benefit of both because you you are you're just one person. We're not asking you to be more anything more than than yourself. If, if House and I are going to Fullerton tomorrow and we text right. you and say where should we go? We have we have time for one meal. What do you say? Oh, yeah, I, I I would go to Mirak. Uh, okay. Yeah, and and you'll you'll be greeted with surly, you know, um, hospitality, and and that's probably <laughs> the reason for like its low Yelp reviews. But honestly, the food's great. That does it. That's perfect, Danny. Um, where can we find your work? What are you up to? Yeah, um, I had that piece on the New Yorker. I've I've honestly been been kind of laying low, doing some stuff in the background. So. Uh, not too much, but I have a recurring piece on uh, Punch, Punch mm -hmm. Magazine, uh, where I'm kind of breaking down the etymology of certain words that kind of define bar culture and drinks. Um, my latest was kind of breaking down the, the word uh, mixologist and oh. its roots and, and how it's kind of become this boogeyman word. Okay. Um mm -hmm. Well, uh, offline, we were talking a little bit about the Toronto Raptors, um, and I told you I don't have the authority to sanction this, but I really, really, really want you to write something about this iteration of the current iteration of the Toronto Raptors as these NBA playoffs arrived, reminding everybody, all the taste buds, the hungry homies, and the immense uh, fandom of ringer content of, of your chops in the NBA space. You love this Toronto team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's everything that I could have ever asked for in a team. Uh, they have all of the wingspan, uh, none of the shooting ability. <laughs> so it's just it's just a lot of um, offensive rebounds, crashing the boards, running really hard on defense, and you know, I mean, recently Precious Achua has been hitting his threes. That's been like Christmas for me. It's incredible. <laughs> Well, you being on House of Carbs is Christmas for us. Thank you so much. The triumphant return of Danny Chow to House of Carbs. We loved eating Fullerton with you. We can't wait to be together again for a meal uh, in person, my friend. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com.
Hungry Homies, the Munch Madness today is taking us to a place that I actually know a little. Um, had the pleasure of some very fine eating. We're going down just a little bit down I-95 from Washington, D.C. to Richmond, Virginia, home of the Richmond Spiders, who acquitted themselves very nicely in the NCAA tournament, took out Iowa in the first mm. round. One of the one of the juicy uh, upsets to kick off the NCAA tournament. We're Spiders. Very, very fortunate to have in-house available to us a graduate of the University of Richmond. You know him from his ubiquitous uh, NFL coverage for the ringer. He co-hosts the fantasy football show with our own beloved producer with the perfect palate, Craig Horlbeck. He uh, co-hosts the ringer NFL draft coverage. Danny Heifetz, welcome to House of Carbs. Roll spied, baby. Roll <laughs> spied. Is that what, is they, that what say? they say? That? Yeah, that is. It's, it's, we, we want Bama. Roll it could spider. be better than that. Okay. <laughs> we are we are the only hey. spider mascot in the entire country, which I take great pride in because it's the only one that's actually scary. People actually are afraid of spiders. It's a cool mascot. You've got to do better than roll spy. We're getting that off on work. the wrong foot. <laughs> roll spy. They're like, well, we already have roll. That's the that's Alabama. You, you gotta do something like we're tingling. Spidey senses. We're, something's t- we're tingling. I don't know. <laughs> We actually do have the hypest pregame intro video, and I will say, Richmond, we have a a mixed sports experience because we're a small school, but I will say we actually have an actual tarantula that we wheel out at midcourt, like in the terrarium midcourt for this pregame shootarounds. And one of our, I will not name the the player, but one of our core rivals while I was in college wouldn't, he was so afraid of, like the best player on that team was so afraid of spiders. He actually wouldn't shoot from the top of the key of the three pointers in pregame warmups. And he made the ball boys go get the balls off the rack. Wow. I mean, that's, that's kind of outstanding. And that, that, you know, there's a lot to build on from there, but we, we're interested in building on your belly today, uh, Mr. Danny. And so for the purposes of setting the table, when were you down at Richmond? When did you graduate? So I graduated Richmond in 2017. And then I'm, as you know, now I now live in Washington, DC. So it's only a couple hours away. So I was there last year for a little bit. I'm actually going to be in Richmond twice over the next two months. I'm a little, makes me feel old, but my five-year reunion is actually in two months. So I'll actually be bopping down there for that. So I, anytime I can get back to Richmond for the food scene, it is a joyous experience because the Richmond food scene is unlike anything else. And it just brings me just immense ecstasy. Wow. Immense ecstasy. So I'm very pleased that we're going to be giving all the Hungry Homies, the taste buds out there, a very good um, representation of the current food moment in Richmond. Um, Help us understand and, and create a little context around where in town is the campus and like what's the, what kind of um, opportunities are around campus in terms of food? So Richmond, Richmond's a bubble campus. I'm going to be honest about that. There's two big schools in Richmond. One is VCU, which is like 20, 30,000 people, much larger school. And then there's Richmond, which is like a few thousand people, kind of a bubble campus. So I'm going to be honest. It's definitely like harder to get like into the heart of the city uh, when you're younger and you, you don't maybe have a car. But the second you have a car or you have a friend that has a car and you can start to like venture out. Richmond's an incredible city because I would say that it might be like the most affordable good food city in America. Like I'm not going to say Richmond, Virginia's food is as good as New York City, but dollar for dollar, it might be better. Like National Geographic in 2016. So when I was a senior, this was a big big deal. They actually listed Richmond as one of the 20 best food cities in the world. Not America, the world. No, I understand. And this is why we were happy to have you know the occasion to go ahead and celebrate Richmond, very um, unexpected, I think, and and underrated. Not something a place that people would necessarily think of, and 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 to go to food attractions. So you mentioned sort of the bubble campus um, designation for for uh, that where, where Richmond is is situated. That means in the first place, when you arrive, you're doing a lot of that dorm life. You're doing dorm dorm food scene dorm life, dining hall kind of vibe. Share a little bit of that perspective with oh, us. Well, the, di- the Richmond dining hall is legendary. The Richmond campus, I have to be honest, is very picturesque. If you Google like the University of Richmond, it's crazy. We have a lake in the middle. And like one of the best attractions is we have a dining hall that the rumor was always that the dining hall, someone had a million dollar endowment for the dining hall every year for the just for the dessert bar, that we had the million dollar dessert bar. 
That was not actually true, but it was believable because the dessert bar is incredible. And I have to say that I think I'm like the Pablo Picasso of the dining hall at Richmond in that I just was the best. Like there are not many things I'm great at, but like I would get in more, you, know, you get in line for the eggs and you can just be like, okay, I'll get two over easy. And then you bop right over and you get the grilled cheese, like big, nice, like a sourdough, but it's like sealed with the grilled cheese. You split it open take the eggs over easy in the thing, bacon, throw a hash brown in there. I, I'm not great with cheese anymore, but I used to do cheese. And then you seal it back up, grilled cheese, boom. Bacon, egg, and cheese, homemade, basically, under two minutes. It's just is like, the, Is this the Hailman Dining Center? Is that what it's called? Yes, that is it. Hailman Dining Center. That guy's also a legend. Bruce Hailman, RIP. I think he just passed away. He was a World War II vet. And um, they named the dining, and he was the rector of the school. And he was the, they named the dining hall after him. And let me tell you, so the Richmond Dining Hall is unlike any other. Yeah, wow. so you you just gave us a very quick glim glimpse of, um, you know, a couple aspects. One, it sounds like you have enormous flexibility in terms of, you know, creating your own meal, you know, meeting your own belly demands. Um, and it also sounds like there was a, a very um, broad swath of an, of an offering. Um, is, is that right? Like, give, give us a little bit of that kind of flavor. Oh, my like God. I mean, within the dining hall, you've got, I mean, you've got the brunch options were phenomenal. The best were Sundays when, because they have a church on campus. So the nice church folk would come in and then the hungover students would get to eat the dining hall food, but they put out like a wonderful spread to try to impress like the local church going people. So we would basically get like church brunch and it was like glazed duck and all these ridiculous foods that hungover college students should not be able to get. But that was really like the creme de la creme. That was incredible. And then obviously, you know, the, you know, the basic stuff, the one-on-one omelet line, you know, the, the panini bar, but also the chicken tikka masala. It's just, you know, it's just the oh, whole thing. Okay. There was a Mongolian grill. It's just, it was, it was luxurious. Was What's it your that? classic meal, like meal plan swipes set up and everybody just pretty much ate on campus freshman year? Exactly. So it's like you got the swipes in a dining hall. Not everyone loved dining hall because, you know, some people don't quite have the refined palate that the three of us have. And then, or just, you know, it's just really just lack of creativity. It's like, you know, boredom, you know, it, it's, it's really the sign of, you know, a, a dull mind. And I would say that the other point is there are also dining dollars. And the other dangerous part was you also had a, a bar on campus called The Cellar that had food and, and um, also drinks if you were over 21. And it was a big deal because the crazy part was it was kind of like a loophole. You could actually buy drinks at the bar with your dining dollars. Mm. And like most of the parents who like, or people, you know, I, I think any parents who bought the meal plans for their kids had no fucking clue that they could buy beer with the dining dollars. So it was like a thing that once you got to 21 years old, you didn't spend your dining dollars on food anymore. You just spent it on seller Wednesdays at the happy hour. And I don't know if you guys remember when the Cubs won the world series. Yeah, I do recall it. Okay. Cause I don't, cause they sell golden monkey on Wednesdays. And I used my dining dollars on that. So I have no recollection of the Cubs winning the World Series. <laughs> you missed that delay, that two-hour delay. You were, you were delayed yourself, your brain. Exactly. I'm interested in a little bit, again, we're going to move off the dorm life in, in a second, but you're, you've caught our attention because, you know, the, the, the only person that really um, talked about the virtues of their, their dorm food scene with the same kind of enthusiasm was Kate Hollowell at, um, in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, they had a real innovative approach and, and, you know, a real diversity of, of cuisine and offering. But one of the things it feels like it's coming through to me and maybe I'm, you know, I'm imparting some of my own bias. Is there a little Southern hospitality vibe going on down there as well? I, uh, 100%. So I, the thing about Richmond is Richmond's the most northernmost Southern city. I would say that the modern Mason Dixon line goes through above Richmond. I mean, obviously it was the capital of the Confederacy and there's a very mixed legacy there. Uh, you know, they bunch of statues on Monument Avenue got torn down the last two years, rightfully so. But I think that the thing with Richmond, and I actually can prove that it's the beginning of the South because in, I think 25 years ago in the late nineties, McDonald's changed the rule about sweet tea. McDonald's used to make people sell sweet tea. And then they changed the rule. You know what? Every franchise can individually make their own decision. And then the McDonald's organically based on their own market research stopped selling sweet tea 20 miles north of Richmond, Virginia. I would <laughs> argue the line where they stop selling, where they start selling sweet tea at McDonald's is the Mason Dixon line of them. And that's basically Richmond, Virginia. And the food culture all kind of stems from the, it's like Southern food. There's collard greens, there's fried okra. You can get that, like that in barbecue, that down home stuff, but also all the food influence of being along I-95 and also being two hours from DC, which, you know, is a global city. Um, yes. 
to all of that, which is the <laughs> perfect entree into moving off of campus. Because uh, you've given oh, yeah. us a really um, colorful uh, idea of what the food scene on campus consists of. But we have um, run a scouting report. The producer with the perfect palette, your podcast partner, Craig Horlbeck, on the ones and twos. We've got um, a rundown here of uh, what we think is um, perhaps representative of the off-campus food scene in and around the, the University of, of Richmond. And then, so he's going to go through it and you tell us, you know, sort of w w what your reaction is. Okay. Okay, yeah. Critique me after. I'm going to run through them. I, I got to say, this was this was difficult for me because this was a robust list. I, Goddamn I, right. That's I Richmond, kind of, baby. Yeah. To me, this my brother almost, he got a job and they're headquartered in Richmond and he was debating moving there and he lives in Portland right now. And he was like, man, Richmond almost seems like kind of a, a minier East Coast version of Such Portland. a good comparison. It's such a good comparison. Richmond leads America in two things, tattoo parlors per capita and custom <sighs> license plates per capita. And it's like customization, standing out instead of yeah. fitting in. Like Portland's a perfect comparison. Okay, all right, here's the list. Carytown Pizza, Stella's, Original Mexican Restaurant, AKA Mexico's, Galaxy Diner, for sushi, go to Osaka or Akita, Eight and a Half, Peter Chang, for Italian, you can go to Azuro, Graffiato, Portico, Christian's Pizza, Burger Back, Baker's Crust, Toast, and Jack Brown's. I, 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 wow! I just that was like memory lane right there. Uh, that was incredible. Uh, I, I, I have all so almost all of those are like really good. I think Christian's Pizza. I have been there. It's the closest to campus, and it's the quality of pizza you get that's closest to campus. I think that in college, there's two important kinds of food. There's drunk food and there's hungover food. Yeah. There's also like dinner. You know, Burger Batch is good dinner, but it's not drunk food or hungover food. I think that the only one I would add to that list and the the hungover place is this place called Fusso One, oh. which is actually Vietnamese. And there's actually a surprisingly robust Vietnamese population in Richmond. And we just happened to be a five minute drive from, you know, it's good when you walk in and the only people there are Vietnamese people. And it's Vietnamese mm -hmm. and a bunch of hungover college kids at 10 in the morning on Sunday. And there's nothing that reinvigorates you from uh, a Sunday morning hangover, like just breathing in the pho broth. And it was also like really affordable. And it was like just the place for like my entire friend group. And we would just, we would to the point where actually one of my best friends actually got a tattoo. <laughs> of Fusso one on the inside of his lip. How do you how do you spell that? I know how to spell Fusso P H O and then P H O S O one right P H O S O. Well, they actually just changed the name. Actually, I'm not sure exactly. They actually just changed the name last year, which I learned when I went back and I tried to find it. This is I don't know if this grosses you out. This is literally my friend with a a bowl, and that's the tattoo. Wait, so you said this was your hungover food? So you're having like beef stew essentially at 10 a.m. 11 a.m. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This is see reinvigorating. Look. We, Heifetz knows this is he he is he's been a, a hungry homie his whole life Danny yeah, and I yeah. you know we've, we've had the opportunity to spend some time together he's a genuine taste bud and and I'm here to to extol the virtues of exactly what he's he's celebrating this this the the it's a true uh, uh belly genius who understands <laughs> the restorative recuperative effects and it's not just the broth it's itself like that you're consuming and it's going down your gullet and it's soothing your sore throat and it's warming your insides. It's the actual experience of getting your face into it and you're, you're, you're getting your, get your nose a little wet even. And the crunch of some of the vegetables and the stringy uh, elements of, of whatever meat are, are inside of there. It's a five cents experience and it bam wakes you right back up. Am I right about this, Danny Heifetz? I could literally could not have said it better myself. And also it was the best place. Cause you know, that, and weirdly in when you're in college, I guess in life, but really in college, the parties are fun, but the best part of college is really like the night after a party when you're yeah. sitting around hungover eating and you're just kind of putting the puzzle pieces together of whatever the hell happened the night before and doing that when everyone's got like, as you said, house, the noses in the broth and like everyone's coming alive mid it's just every, every single time you go there, you walk in and you're dead and you come out and you feel alive. Like it's a new, like you've been newborn. It's incredible. Um, one of the things that we've been asking for input from folks, and I know that you're going to have some, some really great um, guidance on this is when folks come to town and about why your mm. folks come to town, one's parents arrive in town and, you know, the credit card comes out and, you know, you're, you're able to, 
um, go, you know, slightly elevated above whatever your dining dollars are going to deliver otherwise. And you made the point at the outset, which is so accurate about Richmond, that it's eminently affordable. And so you can you can go have a great meal in a place that feels right with your parents. Um, that's up to that kind of, of standard. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be, you know, uh, um, uh, a full break the bank kind of thing. But let, let's hear your thoughts on the best kind of uh, from the University of Richmond perspective. Where would you have your parents take you? So the classic parent spot is this place called the Tobacco Company, and I can I can put my money where my mouth is because I did. I actually uh, I had a family friend who actually saved their dog from a whole thing, and um, it fell through a pond. I had to get the dog out of the pond, and they basically were so thankful. They're like, "We're going to give you a, a gift card. We're going to give you like a three hundred dollar gift card anywhere you want in the city." And I was like, "Tobacco Company," hmm. and that's the kind of place it is. It is like it's as you can imagine, an old tobacco company. So I mean, right there, very it's it's all just brick three stories but like the center of it's carved out so you can kind of be on any story but you look to the middle and you look down there's a live music there's dance floor and there's like trees like a courtyard in the place and there's just live music like almost all the time and just trees flowing and it's just, you know when you walk in the house you've got this there's a place in dc you know called late diplomat but there's certain restaurants you walk in you're like oh my god i'm somewhere else now like there's a vibe there's an energy it's like uh that scene in goodfellas where you walk into whatever that places in the beginning and you're like oh my god like this is the place to be you walk into the tobacco company and you're like transported somewhere else and they've got like this old like like old style southern food like butter cake and like a classic prime rib and like that is the food but also crab cakes you got that mid-atlantic vibe it, it's just that place is the place and then amazingly underneath it was the same place but you actually had a separate entrance and that was a bar and it was like they had the craziest happy hour deal ever it was two dollar for mixed drinks three dollar doubles from eight to nine on thursdays one of the great regrets of my college life was actually I used that gift card on a one nice dinner. And I realized later I could have bought like a hundred people to an entire happy hour. And that was probably a mistake, but that's the yeah, spot that, that, that was, you save that for the bar. That's a, I know, that that was, been a great, well, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, your first instinct was to care, take care of you, which is always, <laughs> we, we applaud that here at the house of carbs. Yeah. This place looking at it online really does look incredible. It is like Richmond's Copacabana. It's like, it you're is. In, this is where your long dolly shot's going to be of you walking on all these levels. It's beautiful. It looks great. It's unbelievable. I I've been there and I can confirm everything um, that Danny's sharing. I also will, will tell you, and maybe this is the mind playing tricks. It does feel like you, there's a, the faintest whiff of tobacco, um, you <laughs> yes. know, em emanating from, yes. from the walls. I mean, again, it's like just be, it could be just the name, but it does feel like, you know, um, that that's kind of the, the essence is there. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I, it's, it's old. It's great. Yeah. So let's go ahead and hit some of your, um, hot spots. We talked about the pho and I, I'll tell you, you're in good company with, with the pho Vietnamese food on this iteration of house of carbs. This mini series that we're doing, this Munch Madness, Vietnamese right. food is like way up, like three, really? three, like almost like like half of the people we've talked to. It's it's some sort of kind of either Vietnamese or some Asian cuisine seems to be dominating the college experience. Yeah, yeah but, Justin Verrier was talking about that in, an episode or two ago, right? Uh, uh for sure, I Justin. Know. I don't recall, but but uh, I know Kelly Olenek for sure. Kelly Olenek talked about a pho place with a with a duck soup that was spectacular sounding. Um, in, in any event, let's let's move into some other of, of your own um, experiences at the University of Richmond. We have the pho place. That's your hungover vibe. Give us a couple other places that you celebrated. I got to shout out bar some barbecue spots. This is a place called Buzz and Ned's, which is, you know, kind of legendary. The city it's been on, you know, diners, drive-ins and dives and all that jazz. And it's just like you walk in and same thing down home. There used to be signs that said, clean up after yourself. This is not your mama's house. Like, just like, it was awesome. All the kinds of sauce. Like I had a friend who went to school in North Carolina and his dad would meet us halfway just to eat at Buzz and Ed's. It was unbelievable. And then also the other one, Mama Jay's, which if you want like some, some down home Southern cooking, it is unbelievable. It is run by, as you can imagine, Mama Jay. Actually, I used to work for the Washington football team when they, they did training camp in Richmond. And actually, I think Josh Norman, the first year was there, they actually... He did an interview. I don't forget if it was with ESPN or who, but Josh Norman, and I think D'Angelo Hall did this interview while they were actually eating mom. They were at to Mama Jay's to like, you know, talk some things out. And it's the only interview I've ever seen, like at a food place where they just cannot stop eating the food and they couldn't every single answer. They're like, oh, sorry, I'm I, I'm still chewing like they the, Mama Jay's is so special. 
and it's you know the cat kind of like catfish and all the southern things you could ever want. It's just the perfect spot. What's the style of barbecue? So the style uh, Buzz and Ed's the style is uh, it, it's, I I I have now lived in Texas for a month. I'll be honest, it makes it tougher because when you're not in Texas, I would say the pork ribs though are pretty incredible. Um, I don't. I wish I. I don't have quite have your vocabulary. I guess. I well, guess are it's they St. driving? Is it like um, uh, what what did they use a sauce? Is there a vinegar based sauce? Like oh the yeah, Carolina yeah, yeah, kind okay, of inspiration, yeah. or is it more of like the a molasses thicker, yeah, sweeter? Yeah. I think that one. Yeah, probably like a sweeter, sweeter sauce glaze on the ribs, and then they have all the kind like the vinegar kind of North Carolina sauce. They got the St. Louis style. They have different sauces. Their thing is probably yeah that like molasses sweeter one. So trying to appeal to all, all palates um, and, and you know, sort of just a traditional approach to barbecue, not necessarily uh, regional identity um, tied to, to Richmond, like a lit, aligning itself with Carolina. It doesn't sound like that. If, the, if I'm the, being honest, because I, I, I'm out here hyping everything up, if anything has been punctured for me, it's that I, I Rosanets is in my heart, but I, after, I lived in Texas for six weeks and I have to say the barbecue there is on a different level. So, I mean, that's fair. Like nobody says... Uh, you know, compares Richmond to, to 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 anywhere in Texas when it comes to barbecue, but the fact that you have very delicious, authentic iterations of barbecue in Richmond, and you have two places that were at the top of your list—that's wonderful. That's a that's oh a terrific uh, uh, testament to the power of Richmond. I, my own self, have been lucky enough to eat at Stella's. I've been to Stella's, you know, probably a dozen times or so over the years. Did you ever make it to Stella's? I don't know if I did, and if I did, maybe I did, and I was just blackout drunk. But I'm trying well, looking it up Craig's right list. now. It's on Craig's list. It's Mediterranean spot, right? Yeah, it's Greek. Oh, um, I have. Like I did not rustic, go, but I have heard of it. It is very Greek. popular. Um, and they have a market with great ice cream as well. And and the only reason I bring it up is because you know we're we're covering a lot of different and and diverse kinds of of cuisine, different areas of the world altogether, which I think is part of what makes um, Richmond so unexpected and 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 so um deserving of of the shine that we're giving it at the moment. Um I want to hear uh you know one or two other um places we we are but I would just let you get the wheels turning right now. Craig and I are going to ask you about where you are sending us for our very first uh you know we arrive in Richmond where, where is Danny Heifetz sending us uh to go eat eat Richmond food. But let, let's hear about one or two other places first. So I think first other places, again, there's, there's drunk food, there's hungover food. And then when you grow up, there's like actual nice dinners. Give I us one that, drunk food, one actual dinner. Yeah. I like it. I mean, I mean, I, it, well, this is base. I mean, I guess I won't throw at you. I don't There's a fast food chain called cookout. That's open at five in the morning. I'm not going to lie that that is like down home. Like that's really it. I almost got shot there once, but in an endearing <laughs> way, like it's just when you, you almost die at a place, but then you keep going back. That's when you know it's good. It's $4. Other late night, there's Chaco Bottom just has a bunch of great places. I mean, there's so many restaurants. There's a place called Havana 59 that it's not just a Cuban restaurant. You, it looks like a freaking Cuba building. It looks like you just walk into Havana for like 100 feet, like big open windows. It's like they actually built the building that way. It's across the street from this bar named Halogen, which is a fire bar that the bar is a fire truck. And it's it, it's ridiculous. There's a place called Chaco Bottom Pizza where I stole a piece of slice of pizza from a, a bridal party and then the maid of honor came up and screamed at me that I had to apologize to her sister, the bride, which was the dumbest thing I did in college was stealing the pizza, but it was worth it. It was really good pizza. Uh, <laughs> and then there's so many great spots. I have to shout out. Um, oh my God. There's the boathouse, which is like kind of like this beautiful seafood restaurant, which is like, you know, a, a one, you know, one of those like once a year occasions, but that one's fantastic. And then also just shout out to this random restaurant named Toast, which is like the perfect, I think it was on Craig's list. Mm -hmm. It's just like the perfect date spot for when you're a junior in college and you need to take someone somewhere, but it's five minutes away. Just the Very whole game. Excellent. Okay. So um, again, uh, and, and part of the ge geography, how close the James River sort of runs through Richmond. So you can definitely um, evoke some of that, uh, that seafood kind of vibe, that mid-Atlantic, anything that, that sort of draws upon though that kind of flavor profile. Um, we have a fair representation, I feel like, of what Richmond has to offer. Where are you sending Craig and I for our first meal when we arrive? I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I'm sending you to Mama Jay's. Because oh. I feel that for all, because Richmond has so many good types of food. Like even we we didn't talk about the sushi place Osaka that Craig said is actually like weirdly one of the best sushi places I've ever been. New York, L.A., or D.C. And 
but I'm gonna go with Mama J's because in terms of like Southern, like soul food, that kind of like soul cooking, it is probably the best I've ever had. And there's basically a zero percent chance you will not love it. What does it look like as you approach? Is it a big place, a little place? Is it is it constantly? It's not packed? big. Is there a it's line? like there's. I think there's like a, I don't know the word for it, but there's like kind of a post with the sign. I think the sign's hanging down and you kind of just step in and you're just like, I don't know. It's like kind of step. It's like a, like a very, it's like someone's home almost in a way. It's very personal. And can you smell it as you approach? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that, <laughs> that's happens. one of the It's like keys. the cartoons with like the little hand coming off the pie and it's like, come here, come here. Yeah. And, l- and let's continue to narrow this down here. What are we ordering at Mama J's? I mean, honestly, I, I would get the catfish. I know catfish isn't for everyone, but catfish and, and sweet potatoes, catfish and, um, the, the, I mean, those candied sweet potatoes or candy yams are, I mean, to die for. How's the catfish prepared? Fried. Oh, yes. fried catfish, candied yeah. yams. I mean, that is, that. I mean, that's what it's all about. And do you it's eat like it like a filet or is it in a sandwich? Like how? Oh, it? no, it's like a plate. It's kind of like just a plate and you get the thing and then you get the three sides and you got to get the... Um, you got to get the sweet potatoes as one of the sides. It's, it's out of control. Catfish plus three. I love this. This is, this is a unique, uh, recommendation. It's a very specific recommendation, but I do think it does, you know, really elicit the heart of, of what Richmond could be all about. Danny Heifetz, uh, hopefully that was not too painful. Your, your, your debut here on house of carbs. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I, I more than enjoyed it. I think a lot of people that you've done this with probably were tripping down memory lane. I'm going to Richmond twice in the next like six weeks. So I'm actually using this to mentally prepare what I'm going to do. So I'm really going to be the one to go to Mama J's and get myself uh, a bunch of catfish and candy dams. So well, really, I'm going like to have me to think about what order I'm going to send you down with so you can bring me back a couple <laughs> of these delicacies. So thank you for that. I'm glad to I hear will it. do that. I'll drop it off. Can't wait. <laughs> Danny Heifetz, thank you so much for joining us here on House of Car. Roll spied. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, Craig, the, the producer with the perfect palate. This is a hell of a challenge. We had two Dannys on for this uh, uh, episode of, of House of Carbs. Two of our beloved Dannys, two of our favorite Dannys on opposite sides of these great United States. We were in Richmond, Virginia. We were in Fullerton, California, and we got, you know, really representative dishes from each of them as sort of the the, the go-to dish, the item that each of them recommended to us. Um, we have the black goat stew at Mirac in Fullerton, and then we have the fried catfish plate plus three sides at Mama J's in Richmond. Which way are you leaning, my friend? This has been a, this is the closest matchup we've had yet. This has gone into overtime. This was a an eight nine game, and it was it seems like a coin flip going in. And Danny and Danny did such a fantastic job pitching their cities, pitching these restaurants and these cuisine. Here's where I've landed. I think, I think I want to go to Richmond, Virginia, but I want to eat the black goat stew from Miroc. God. So what are we gonna do? Because I think that is absolutely the right answer this is why you and i have been vibing so well here on the house of carbs you can you can go around richmond and eat so many different kinds of foods that are done super well the element of what um heifet shared with us in terms of the affordability um really reflective i might buy a house out there who knows (laughs) look i'm telling you (laughs) it is it is really there are a lot of great things happening a great arts community in Richmond, a great music scene in Richmond. Every great band that comes to the East Coast makes a point of getting to Richmond. Um, What's, what is the downside of Richmond? I feel like this is the perfect city nobody's talking about. 
it's hard to get to. It's because you if you're if you're up north, you have to go down I-95 and it and it could be uh under two hours or it can be four hours because so you just, the you stretch can't leave. from Washington to Richmond, it's a goddamn pain in the ass. They have to fix it. Virginia, you know, God forbid they come up with a strategy for making that city more accessible. If you live in Richmond and go south, it's fine. Like if you want to go to Raleigh, terrific. It's barely two hours down to Raleigh-Durham and you have all of that great, you know, North Carolina access, but trying to come back up north, it's a goddamn pain in the ass and they have to fix it. Um, but for sure, you can do a, a belly tour of Richmond that that just is is, is top notch. What are we going to do about this? We have to resolve. We have to choose one over the other. I agree that this is the tightest. And I agree with you that Richmond as a town going around and eating would be just a marvelous experience. And I also agree that the single dish that has been the, the most just compelling to me is, is the black goat stew. So we may have to make that work. I mean, we may, I mean, there's another location in Koreatown, not far from where I live in Los Angeles. We might be able to work something out where I could package that up, send it across the country to you. I can pick some up for myself. And then maybe in the future, I, I want to experience the ambiance of Richmond. I, I want to try all of the restaurants that Danny Heifetz so eloquently laid out before us. Um, go ahead. Well, I, I, I also feel challenged by the fact that we don't have a good answer for which one of these as a, is like a, a, a true college town experience in terms of, of the eating, right? Because it like... Mama Jay's is is for the people of of Richmond and for the people that come and visit Richmond, but it's not a pure college food play. And the same mm -hmm. seems true of, of Miroc, right? Like, yeah, yeah, uh, Child didn't find it until the very end of his college career. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm just trying to come up with a way to distinguish the two. I want to eat both of these these items, um, but we have to pick a winner. I mean, you know, some somebody that this is the. The challenge of of March Madness, uh, and and also the challenge of Munch Madness. There are winners and losers, Craig Horlbeck. Okay, there's only one Cinderella story. There's only one Cinderella story. I think you know. Even if it's laid out the pho experience that he loved about sitting. I now I want to have a hungover bowl of pho. Um, you could do that. They have great pho <laughs> in L.A., buddy. Maybe I'll maybe I'll throw a couple back before I tr if we go to Miroc and see how that works out. Um, I think, well, you, you go first. I've been, I've been leading them off lately. I want you to come in and tell me where you're landing. Um, I hate to miss out on a single incredible dish like that black goat stew. Yeah. Um, because of, I can, I can almost taste it like the, the fermented, um, pungent punch and the, and the heat that comes from the, the constant bubbling and the change in the quality of the dish from the moment you start consuming it until you're done, the addition of the rice at the end. It's, I can't it's wait a, for the rice. It's basically like, you know, three or four different meal experiences over the course of that stew. It's complex. It's, 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 um, it, it's something that is so special. It feels like, you know, a once of a year, once a year kind of thing, except for if you're a college student, um, in Fullerton, you get to enjoy it. And yet it feels like it's just an elevated, perfect standalone dish at one restaurant in in a place that doesn't have you know a full community of you know um, college kind of town experience restaurants. And so I am choosing the University of Richmond. Oh, you're choosing Richmond. I am. <laughs> I threw a curveball. <laughs> I knew. I knew, I knew you weren't ready for it. All right. You want the catfish? I do. I want the catfish and all of the other food in Richmond. That's the yeah. key. I mean, listen, it, it, the criteria of this of this mini series is about the college town experience. Yes. yes. In which case, Richmond is the winner. That that that's the key. I mean, you know, all due respect to to Fullerton, it was such a great competition that that the two Dannys mounted between these these two towns. But we're really looking for the unexpected, underrated, great. Um, food town that doesn't get properly celebrated in Richmond. And that feels is exactly like it has what Richmond is. A little more cohesion than, than Fullerton. Yeah. I mean, take myself. I mean, I pretty much had no idea. I, I knew of the University of Richmond vaguely because of their small basketball school and only because Danny Heifetz went there. Other than that, I had no idea. There's a Richmond in California. That's what I think of when I hear Richmond. <laughs> the Richmond in Virginia is better. I'm here I to tell you. I think that's right. Um, 
All right. Well, then also what's nice about this is then we can now task Heifetz with getting us this food. You know what we're going to do, though, Craig? We're I'm going to have both. Yes. And you're going to send me the black goat stew. <laughs> we're, we, we're, we're giving a bonus shout out to Fullerton, to Miroc, to the black goat stew. And it will be its own sort of bonus baby. It won the play in. It, it, you know, it, it's got its own vitality. We're it was not... a great game. It's like UCLA-Gonzaga last year. Everybody yes. still remembers UCLA for that That's game. That's right. That's exactly right. It, it has really um, carried and delivered. I think we've carried and delivered, Craig Horlbeck. That's it for this edition of Munch Madness by Hungry Homies. We are proceeding to the final fork. Richmond moves on. Let's get in that belly. And, and see where we land with the final fork. <laughs>